Welcome to Cato Daily Podcast with Anastasia Glova. Today is Monday, April 16th. In today's episode, I talk with University of Texas professor Eugene Gols about his Cato study, Energy Alarmism, the Myths That Make Americans Worry About Oil. The policy analysis argues that Americans and politicians' fears about energy security are entirely overblown. Without further ado, here is Eugene. So what are some of the myths that Americans hold about energy security? Well, I think the principal myth that we're tilting at in the paper is that foreign and military policy are useful tools for responding to threats to American energy security. There are a number of threats that people don't understand as carefully as they should, and in particular, they leap to conclusions about how foreign policy might respond to those threats. And our paper is really about foreign policy in response to threats to energy security. Global oil demand is growing, true, and so is political instability in the Middle East. And a sudden cutoffs in supply would definitely impact oil prices in huge ways. How would you answer that? I'm not sure that I would agree with all the premises of your question. So it's true that global oil demand is growing, and it's true that there's political instability in a lot of regions that supply oil. But I think one of the main arguments of our paper is that most supply disruptions, particularly ones that are caused by political instability, are likely to lead to self-correcting market responses, that companies and countries going about their normal business, trying to make money in the oil market or trying to satisfy their demand for consuming oil, act to counteract most shocks such that the long-term price effects of supply shocks are, in most cases, relatively small, that in the very short term, a supply disruption can lead to a price spike, but other producers pump more, people prepare inventories or have inventories of oil on hand to deal with those supply shocks, and so they live off their inventories for a while in ways that prevent people from running out of oil and being forced to bid up the price of a commodity in limited supply. So sometimes in the very short term, short term could last for a couple of months, it takes time for other suppliers to come into the market and compensate for a disrupted supply. But of course, during that same period of time, the people whose supply is disrupted often are trying very hard to get back onto the market. There are lots of people who are eager to make money by supplying oil in times of supply disruptions. And so the oil flows back into the market and the price doesn't soar as much as we might worry. What about the oil shocks of the 1970s? Shouldn't we be doing everything possible to prevent a repeat occurrence? Sure. When people talk about the oil shocks of the 1970s, there are two different things that happened. The first oil shock in the early 1970s really is the first time that the OPEC cartel functioned. The oil market doesn't work today the way it worked in the early 1970s. There's a much more developed financial market with fancy derivatives and inventory management strategies. And we've probably learned something in terms of government policy since what happened in the early 70s. I don't think that describes the current world. The shocks in the late 1970s, and there's a series of them, those are some of the cases that we address explicitly in the paper because they are cases that show the oil market response. And when supply is disrupted, 
other suppliers increase their flow of oil to the market and ameliorate the supply disruption. And during the Iran-Iraq war, Iran and Iraq both tried very hard throughout the war, even though there was disruption to the flow of oil, they both really wanted to sell oil and they tried very hard to get their oil to market and that also helped ameliorate the supply disruption. So those cases in the late 1970s show actually the mechanism that we're talking about in the paper. The market works better and better in dealing with disruptions. Okay, what about China's rapidly growing list of purchasing agreements? How might this impact America's energy security? One of the fears that people have about energy security is that Chinese demand is growing. And in fact, that is driving up the price of oil around the world because China's demand is growing faster than, say, five years ago people had expected Chinese demand to grow. So it takes a little time for investment in exploration or pumping new oil or developing new transit mechanisms. It takes time. People are looking forward and predicting demand. And in response to their growing demand, the government has taken steps to do what they believe will help them assure their security of supply. So they have a view of the oil market that says they should go out and arrange long-term contracts or buy a lot of oil in advance or invest a great deal of money in developing relatively speculative sources of oil, sources that Western companies have been less inclined to develop. Basically, the Chinese are just bidding very high in advance for this oil. And people in the United States and around the world oil market are concerned that if China buys all this oil now, maybe someday in the future when we need more oil, we won't be able to get it because the Chinese will already own all the oil. It's an understandable fear, but it's a fear that I think is largely unfounded. It's unfounded because you know, the most straightforward thing is if the price of oil goes up a great deal around the world, the Chinese don't have a lot of incentive to hoard this oil that they've paid for or bought in advance. If the price of oil is very high, the Chinese could just resell it to us. But if they want to hoard their oil, not take advantage of the high price and sell their oil to us, that's just saying they've decided that the oil is worth a great deal to them at that time. And even if they hadn't prepaid for the oil, if they didn't already own it, if the Chinese really wanted to pay that high price for the oil, they could outbid us for the oil in the future as well as they have already outbid us now. The fact that the Chinese have made a long-term purchase agreement in advance doesn't change the fact that if the Chinese want the oil more than we do, they're going to buy it instead of us. We have to compete with them for demand, and that's what's going to drive the price up. There is no foreign policy solution to that problem to make the Chinese want oil less in the future. The only obvious one is to try to weaken Chinese demand for oil, to try to weaken the Chinese economy. And that has all kinds of terrible consequences. It's not worth it to the United States to try to weaken the Chinese economy in order to protect against this very uncertain risk of oil energy security in the future, because we know that the Chinese would react very badly. It would create tremendous hostility between the U.S. and China if the United States announced a policy of hurting the Chinese economy to help ensure our energy security. What better solutions can you then offer to ensure our access to oil? 
Well, again, I want to quibble a little with your question. I don't think there's a threat to our access to oil. The global oil market functions fairly well. In essence, we can always buy oil if we're willing to pay for it. The question is, how much do we want to pay? There hasn't been a time in any of the modern so-called oil shocks or supply disruptions for a supply and demand reason, for a production reason, taps have run dry. There's always enough oil on the market, just sometimes it gets expensive. The real recommendation is we need to decide how much we want to pay and bid that on the oil market. The main thing from a foreign policy perspective is not to disrupt the oil market. I think, unfortunately, one of the things today that does disrupt the oil market in a way that's hard for the oil market to handle is the major activist American military presence in the Persian Gulf. So the very thing that we think we're doing to increase energy security, trying to use the American military to tamp down instability in the Persian Gulf, tends to increase instability in the Persian Gulf, or at least in particular in the most important scenario in the Persian Gulf, we argue in the paper. The one scenario the oil market couldn't handle very well by itself is a civil war or a major revolution in Saudi Arabia. And I think that having American military forces actively engaged in solving the problems or in claiming to solve the problems of the Persian Gulf destabilizes Saudi Arabia. We're making that worse. So I guess my solution is to tone down or to bring further offshore the American military presence in the Persian Gulf. Okay, thank you so much, Eugene. To bring you this podcast, Cato accepted no government funding. The Institute receives approximately 75% of its funding from individuals. So if you enjoyed this program, please consider giving to Cato. You can find out how on our website, www.cato.org.